Okay, so today's daf is daf Nun Gimel Amr Aleph and Amr Beis. Today's daf, yeah. So we're on uh, Nun Gimel Amr Aleph 53a, the seventh line on the Yomud. We're up to the words Tanur Rabbanan. Tanur Rabbanan. Give everybody a moment to get the place. Tanur Rabbanan, the rabbis learned in socially. All right, 53a. Continuing on this. Uh, discussion of our Perak, of our Makam Shinagu, different customs that they had in various areas. We're going to have actually, following the end of this sugya, which we're in the middle of from yesterday, we're going to have two Mishnayas, one on the bottom of Amad Aleph and one in the middle of Amad Beis, also introducing us to different interesting customs, some more popular than others, the source for them, how they came about, and what do you do? If you're from a place where you don't have that minag and you're in such an area. So, for now, we're up to Tan Rabbanan. The rabbis learned, and so should we. And again, we were discussing various stages of growth that it's now considered a fruit as far as Shemitah is concerned. And when the time of beer, the time to remove it from one's home arrives, it needs to be taken out of one's home and put back out into the field. You're allowed to eat grapes until the vineyards of Eichel are used up. Now the Mepharshim explained to us that Eichel was a place that had a, Rashi explains, that had a lot of vineyards. So when these places that had an overload of vineyards had grapes no longer on the vines, that's when everybody had to do beer. They had to remove their stockpiles. Um, if, however, there were some vines that happened to have been later than Akhur, then you're allowed to eat in those areas. Okay, I'm sorry, based upon the grapes in those areas, you're allowed to keep it. The same way we're talking about grapes of the place called Eichel, the same Allah holds true with olives of Tekaya, that if, when the olive trees are used up, uh, you must get rid of your olives. Rabbi Lezer says, You're allowed to eat the olives unless, uh, until the olive, you're allowed to eat, you, you must remove your olives from your domain as soon as the olives of Gush Chalav uh, start getting used up. In order that an Ani should be able to go out and to search, and he won't find the amount of a raiva, which is approximately six eggs, on the branches. That's already considered used up. And you're allowed to eat dried out figs until the figs of Beishini um, are used up. Okay, so these are, well, all the Bryce is telling us over here is this is the Zman B, or this is the time where you must uh, you, uh, uh, get rid of these par- particular foods. Amar of Yehuda, of Yehuda says, The figs of Beisine are not the uh, are not the ones that should be spoken about over here because it's not dependent on when those are used up. That's only dependent on the laws of Meiser. Why? What does Beishigi have to do with Meiser? We learned in the Mishnah, Pagi Beishini ba'ahini de Tuviana chayavim be'Meiser that these figs. And these dates of Tovyana are Chayav and Meiser, meaning they are, uh, they are date enough and fig enough 
to be called fruit that I need to separate Meiser from. But to use this as the line of when I need to do Zman B or use these fruits, he says, says Rabbi Yehuda, would be incorrect. Okay, fine. So that's the basic, um, you know, that's the end of that particular discussion. And that's the basic rundown of the last sugi as well. Okay, we had a discussion that on Shemitah, you're allowed to bring stuff into your home up until when the food out into the, uh, the product of the field, the produce of the field is used up. Once it's used up, you have to remove it from your home. And we just explained for each of these products, what exactly am I looking for to know, oh, once that happens, now it's time for me to empty out my home. Period. End of that Gemara. We said that you're allowed to eat the dates of palm trees until the dates of Tsayar had been used up. Okay? Until it had been used up, you're allowed to um, you're allowed to hold on to your dates. So Shimon Gamliel Eimer, Rabbi Shimon Ben Gamliel says, "Oichlin al shel beisakifin." You're allowed to eat dates as long as you have some of them that are that are uh, hidden between the branches. But it's not dependent on what's what's uh, hidden in between the shells or the beetsin or these uh, thorny branches. It's not dependent on that. Now, says the Gemara, this itself is a contradiction. How so? Ramin will ask a contradiction. There's a brisa that says, what's the latest time for grapes? What did we just read? What's the latest time for grapes? What did we say of just a few lines ago? Until the places of Eichel are used up. Listen to this brisa. No, it's until Pesach. You're not looking at trees. It's dependent on the season, time of year, what's going on. You know, Pesach comes, you get rid of it. Olives, you have to shvuz. Gregorus at Hanukkah, you've dried figs to Hanukkah. Tomorrow, Mar Purim, Tomorrow, Mar Purim, Bomer of Bibi. Bechlin, Tarti, Basrai, Samachlev. Bechlin, switch the last two opinions. Okay, fine. But what's the bottom line over here? It's not dependent on where the stuff gets used up, where the produce. Oh, there's no more left in uh, in Eichel. There's no more left in Sayar. No, you got to get rid of it. Asks the Gemara contradiction. The Brisa also says that Pesach you get rid of this, Purim you get rid of this, Chana get rid of this, Shavuos you get rid of this. Is it dependent on the Yomtiv, or is it dependent on when there's no more of that fruit left in the trees of? Such and such a place. EDV Dichachiru says the Gemara is not a contradiction. Same thing. Meaning, when we say you got, you got to get rid of it by Pesach, that's the same as saying the grape trees of this area are used up. Because you know Pesach time, that's when that happened. The same another possible answer is, The price is said explicitly, that unless there's a later, you know, unless there's a... a there's other places where the fruit's getting used up at, at a later date than Eichlan Alem. You're allowed to rely on that. So maybe, answers the, says the Gemara in answer number two, when we say until Pesach, that is um, a different shot than Tsayar or Eichel or any of these places because Tsayar and Eichel is not a hard line. 
It's an assumption. And granted, if there's places in other cities that still have grapes on the vines, let's say, or olives in the trees, you would be allowed to still hold on to your grapes or your olives until Pesach, Shavuos, Hanukkah, Purim, okay, depending on which one was listed. Tanya Milantin Abraisa, brand new halacha, Rav Shem Gamil Weimer, Simen Laharimil. The Simen for mountains is Milan. Rashi says Milan are trees that grow in, mount, in a mountain area. So if you see these trees that are unique to mountain growth up, up ahead, so that's how you know you got mountains coming. Simon la amakim dekolim. You see dates, so that's a sign of a valley. Simon la nechalim kolim. And if you see uh, a creek, stream, or river, you'll notice kanim. You'll notice soft reeds. Simon la shvela shikma. Same in Hebrew and English. Shikma is sycamore. That. If you see these trees, you know you're out in the, you know, you're out in the fields. That the king made everything out in the, sorry, lost the place. Yeah, the king made the silver in Yerushalayim. There was so much wealth. That people's silver were like uh, were like stones and pebbles. There's nothing special. That's Arazim and the cedars, Nosan Kishikmin, they were made like sycamores. Meaning there were so many cedars, a big fancy tree. Yeah, you gain a lot. There were so many cedar trees that were being planted, the same as these sycamore trees, Asher Bashrail arrived that grow all over the place in the wide open field. Similahara Milam Simila Makam Dikalam. We said a sign of mountains is is uh, these Milan, these mountain trees, and a sign of valleys is palm trees. Nafkamina le Bikurim. The Nafkamina for this, why do I need to know this? For Bikurim, the Tanan, because we learned in a Mishnah, Ain Mavim Bikurim, Ella Mishivas Aminim. You only bring Bikurim from the seven species that Eretz Yisrael is special for. And not from like uh, wild type of uh, growths. Okay, in other words, it has to be, Rashi explains, that in order to bring Bikurim from a tree, it has to be a type of tree that's miyuchad. That's a miyuchad, it has to be special. Okay, so, which means, If you happen to have crop that grows in these areas where it's so common, there's no Bikurim on that, even if it's from the same species. Why? Shvachamaisis. That's not stama date. That's a shvacha date. That's a weak date. That's not a date you're gonna bring Bikurim from. Those are the type of dates you find uh, you find all over the place. Simila Shvela Shikma. We said a Simila Nakalam Kalam. A sign of Nakalam of of uh, rivers is Kanim soft reeds, Nafkamina the Nachalesan. The Nafkamina is for Nachalesan. Very interesting uh, halacha, which we know as Egla Rufa. They have somebody who dies in between two cities, so they go and they measure which city this yid is close to. 
and uh, whichever one he's closest to, the Bezdin of that city comes out, and they take a young calf that's never worked, and they take it down to the stream, and that's where they break the neck. Okay, so why is it important to know that? Because similar column column, yeah, and the nafkamina is because now we know what type of stream is appropriate for nachal uh, eisan. Okay, if you don't have soft reeds growing there, it's not appropriate for your Eglarufa. Only if you see soft reeds growing near the stream does it have the name stream, and now you can you can uh, kill the Eglarufa. Simon Lashvela Shikma, the sign of wide open fields, is a sycamore. Nafkamina lemekachumemkar. Nafkamina is for mekachumemkar. Okay, meaning I go ahead and I say. Zokt Rashi, I go ahead and I say, I'm going to uh, sell you 20 acres of wide open land, 20 miles of land. You can expect that there's sycamore trees on that land. And if there is no sycamore trees, you can come back to me afterwards like, Matt, Shvachemises, weak stuff. Yeah. Land, fields, wide open fields, that's where sycamore trees are grown. If it doesn't have a sycamore tree, this, is, this was not my understanding, and the whole thing's in Mekach Tois. Simen Hashta dos And now that we've come to explain all this, Kulunami lemekachumemkar, you could say that the same thing is true for all these, right? The, the melon trees on the mountain, the palm trees of the valley, the reeds for the, for the uh, streams and rivers, the sycamore tree of the wide open fields, anytime you're selling something, it needs to have these things in order for it not to be a mekachtais because the owner is expecting that this comes along with the price tag. Period. End of that discussion. We are completely done with that. And the next mission is leading us on to a completely different, fascinating minhag. Listen to this. Are you allowed to sell fields to a non-Jew? So in Eretz Yisrael, no. Eretz Yisrael, you're not allowed to. You're allowed to lease land, though. You're allowed to lease land to a non-Jew, even though it's still like, even though the Jew is still owning it. But it's it's not. We, we don't want that. Rashi explains that the Rabbanon really did not want anybody to take their land in Eretz Yisrael and lease it to a non-Jew. Now, in addition to the land itself, there's a halacha that Shabbos is a day of rest. For who? Ata, you. Bincha, bitecha, behemtecha, your animals. A person's animal needs to keep Shabbos. You hear this? If I own an ox and a donkey, they need to keep Shabbos. It says in the Torah, Pusik in the Torah. I'm not allowed to lease my animal to a non Jew because the non Jew is going to lease my animal on Shabbos. Okay. Um, there's another 
issue brought down separate from Rashi that a person may end up selling the animal too close to Shabbos. Well, let's and and you're gonna try, you'll end up doing a malacha on Shabbos before the transaction actually belonged to the guy. You end up compromising. Let's stick with Rashi's pshat. According to Rashi, the issue of leasing an animal to a guy is that the guy is not going to rest your animal, and since you own the animal, it needs to rest on Shabbos. Okay. This type of animal is a working animal. A large working animal. Because the guy might come to work it. What about a small animal like a sheep that doesn't work out in the field? What we call a behemoth daka. Is that a problem? Is that a problem to rent out to a guy? Animal's not working anyway. So this depends on minhag. Depends what the minhag amalkab is. And that's going to be the first halacha of the Mishnah. The place where the custom is, no problem. A smaller animal, you can sell it to a guy. So my friend, no problem, you can sell it too. If the minig is not too, because if we sell smaller animals, people might come to sell larger animals. So then, you're not allowed to sell. And uh, any uh, the halacha always is you can't sell larger animals to non-Jews for the reason that we stated before. Whether they are calves. Siyachim are uh, other types of uh, young animals that they could get bigger, but right now they're not fit to work. This thing's a day or two old. Or Shavurim, it's broken. Yeah, it's got a, it's got a problem with it. Rebuda Matir Bishvura. Rebuda says that if it's broken and it's got, got health issues, you're allowed to sell it to a guy. Rebbe Matir Bishus. Rebbe says it's allowed by a horse. Why? So, um... The Mefarshim here explain, and Rashi explains over here as well, that the whole issue of a, horses don't work. Horses, you just just carry people. That's what a horse is meant for, to carry a person. But it's not meant to work. It's not going to do any other malach. Okay? And therefore, if you have a horse with a broken leg, the... If you have a horse with a broken leg, so there shouldn't be any iser, because it's not going to do anything. It can't carry a rider. It's not going to do any work. There's no concern about melacha on Shabbos. In a, a, another halacha, another, I'm sorry, another minug, in a place where people had the minug to eat roasted meat on the on the Pesach night, you're allowed to do that. In the place where the minig is not to, then you're not allowed to eat it. And that, by the way, is the common minig that we have nowadays, right? We know, we're familiar, that a person should not serve roast meat at the Pesach Seder, right? Because it may come to represent the carbon Pesach, and people might have in mind, this is the carbon Pesach, and it's really not. So the minig is to stay away from roasted, Okay? That's a minug. It says the end of the Mishnah, if that's the minug, if, if the minug is that it's okay to eat barbecued meat, but if the minug is not to, then 
you're not allowed to eat it. Rambi Vidu Marav Vidu says the name of Rav. It is Osir. It's forbidden nowadays. Tovshin Peyala. For a person to look at meat and say, This is a Pesach. It's like you're making something hectish. And you're eating kachim outside the walls of Yerushalayim. This is specific to meat. But if a person says, oh, this sweet is for, is for Pesach, there's no problem. Yeah, when you say this sweet is for Pesach, you know what it means? This sweet should have become chametz. That's all it means. It doesn't mean this sweet belongs to hektish. You mean that you, you want to make sure it doesn't become chametz. Says the Gemara, is it taka true that you're not allowed to look at meat and say, is it really true that usr, that usr, uh, is that taka usher? A person not allowed to say that? Mesvei. We'll ask you a challenging question. Amar Rabbi Rabbiyasi says, Tudus is Raimi. Tudus of Raim. Rashi says, Tudus was a chash of a yid. Hinig has been a Raimi. He said, that you're allowed to eat young roasted goats on Pesach. Okay? Um, in other words, here's, how, here's the best way to explain it. One way to look at it is don't have roasted meat because, oh, it's like hectic the carbon Pesach. The other way to look at it is, Dav could do it like a carbon Pesach. This way you have something to look at and say, oh, this reminds me of a carbon Pesach. You look at a matzah, you say, oh, this is the Lechem right? You look at the Moror, you say, oh, this reminds me of the Tzaras. Tudus would go ahead and he says, no, Dav could roast meat. So you can look at it and say, oh, where, where's our carbon Pesach that we used to have? Instead of it being a problem, he made a minagdavka to have it. Shochulai, the Rabbanim sent back to him, and they said, If you wouldn't be so chashuv, we'd put you in cheir. You think you're being so from by giving people a visual of the carbon Pesach. What happens if you have a yid? that actually thinks to themselves, yeah, I want this to be my Pesach. You're in Rome. You're not in Yerushalayim. And they wouldn't be allowed to eat, so it's a bad idea. Says the Gemara, Why would it be a carbon Pesach? I mean, you're in Rome. You didn't shechta like a carbon Pesach. The guy's going to sit at his Pesach Seder in St. Louis and might think to himself, oh, don't have roasted meat, because you might think to himself, oh, maybe I'll have to. Come on. That's not a hectish. Alaima, rather, what does it mean? Top of Amad Bey's Karoi Blahachas al Kachim Bechutz. You're walking on thin ice. That's how we would say it. You're walking on thin ice. Too similar. It's too similar. Now, says the Gemara. Mikulas in. You're allowed to eat the roasted goat with the with the entire thing, you know, the entire meat together. She'ein mekulas loy. 
But if, let's say, it's not roasted like the carbon Pesach, it seems there's no problem. The only problem is if it's roasted like the carbon Pesach. If it's not roasted like the carbon Pesach, it seems there's no issue. So why do, did he say there's a minug to never eat roasted meat? It's not true. It'll depend on how you roasted it. As the Gemara, Amri say like this. Mikulus, if you roasted it like the carbon Pesach, then it doesn't make a difference if he says this is for Pesach or not for, a, not for Pesach. You're not allowed to eat it. But let's say you roast it in a way that, that's different from the carbon Pesach. So then perish in. If he said, oh, this is, my, this is like the Pesach, so then you have a problem. But why perish like? If it's not roast like the carbon Pesach. And he didn't say anything connecting it to Pesach. Then Rav did, did uh, you know, did not establish the minug of it being prohibited. Period. Rav Acha Masi Lhamasisa Grab Shimon. Rav Acha learned this brisa of Tudus lefi the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. If you look back at the beginning of the brisa, we we quoted Rabbi Yaisi. We're saying that uh, Rav Acha learned that it wasn't Rabbi Yaisi. He learned it was Rabbi Shimon telling over the story. So Maskev learned of Sheshes. Rav Shesha says, how can it be um, how can it be Rav Shimon instead of Rav Yaisi? If you hold that the author of this whole discussion is Rav Yaisi, it makes sense. We understand why the Rabbonon had a claim on Tudus. And they said, nothing doing, you're it's too close, you're walking on thin ice. Too close to causing Averis, Alaman Damasti Kareb Shimon. But if the Tana is Rabbi Shimon, Minicha, how could Rabbi Shimon be scared about this? But Tanan, but we learned in a Mishnah, Rabbi Shimon Paiter, Shalayas Nadiv, Kedarachamis Nadv. Rabbi Shimon says you're going to be Pater because you didn't make a Neder the way that other people make Nedar. Now here's the Halacha. Rabbi Shimon says, that when a person takes an oath, that he's going to bring a carbon mincha from Sa'irin. He's going to bring a carbon mincha from barley. So the problem here is that he said, I'm doing something, but it's a davar shalai balayla. The thing that he's talking about does not yet exist in the world. All right? What do you mean it doesn't exist in the world? A nidava of a mincha is never barley. It's not barley. It's made from wheat. So when he says barley, I'm making a nether, I'm going to bring a mincha from barley. Says the Tanakama, you need to bring a mincha from wheat. Because you made a, you, you, you promised, you made a pledge. You're going to bring a carbon mincha. You said from barley, tough luck. There's no such thing. So, memela, you mean wheat. And you're chayav in wheat. That's the Tanakam. Reb Shimon says, no, 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 no. Shimon says, no, you're not obligated. Shimon Paiter. Reb Shimon says, you're not obligated. You specifically said barley. So you didn't take an oath the same way everybody else who makes a pledge does. What'd you do? You did it differently. You did it differently. That thing is, is non-existent because no such thing as a mincha of a barley. So you're off the hook. 
Amalei Ravina Laravashi, Ravina says to Ravashi, Umanda Masi Lakar Abyaisi. And according to the one who says Dana Zabyasi, me necha, is that any better? Is it any better to say it's Rabyasi over Abshimin? Bamar Rabba, but Rabba says, Rabshimin Bishitas Rabyasi Amar, Rabbi Shimon's whole leniency of not obligating him to bring the barley mincha was because of basing himself of the opinion of Rabbi Yaisi, which is, the Omar, Rabbi Yaisi says, that a, when a person says, I pledge, I'm going to bring a mincha from barley, so you also look at the end of the words that you're stuck on. So since you said the end of barley, you're stuck with that, there's no such thing, that's why you're off the hook. My love with Rav Shimon Savalaka Rav Yaisi and Rav Yaisi Nami Savalaka Rav Shimon. If you're going to say the Tana can't be Rav Shimon, guess what? It also cannot be Rav Yaisi. Says the Gemara, no, you're misunderstanding. Rav Shimon Savalaka Rav Yaisi. Rav Shimon does all like Rav Yaisi. However, Rav Yaisi lays Savalaka Rav Shimon. But Rav Yaisi um, still holds that even if you said a phrase that can't be true, you can take part, the part of the phrase that is true does remain. Rabbi Shimon holds that if you say two parts to a phrase and one part is, is uh, nishtemes, it's not true, send the whole phrase out the window. Rabbi Yaisi is going to argue on that. He's going to say, listen, if a guy says, I make another, I'm going to bring a mincha from barley, you can look at him and say, I make another, I'm going to bring a mincha. From barley, that part shtus. And you're still going to be chayev to bring your mincha, and you do it, from wheat. They asked a challenging question. I'm sorry, not a challenging question. Yibayluhu, that's the Shaila searching for information. This guy, Tudus, from Rome, who we said was Chashu, and he started this minag. And the Rabbana said, Oh, you wouldn't be Chashu, we would put you in here. Was he chashuv in a good way or chashuv in a bad way? To put it in, in uh, Webster's Dictionary terms, was he famous or infamous? Toshma, come and listen. made a drasha. Okay? Now Rashi says if he gave a drasha, you can assume he was tamachachim, right? And this was his drasha. What did that they were willing to give themselves up, throw themselves into the fiery furnace? And by the way, when the and your limon comes out the weekly parsha, it's a wonderful sign. It's a simon from Shemayim that Hakadosh Baruch Hu likes our tire. When it when it uh, when it combines with the weekly parsha, they made a kavachaymer from the second makkah, the second plague. This week's parsha, the tzvard and the frogs, and he said, The frogs are commanded to die al kiddush Hashem, and it says that the frogs jumped into the ovens and went into the hottest places and gave up their lives. Why? Because it drove the mitzvah crazy and it made a kiddush Hashem. They saw the Yad Hashem, and they won't give up their lives. The Yad Hashem. Amos I'm a Shars Mitzrayus Eitzel Tainer. Have you? I remember Shosh Tainer Cham. One of Mitzrayim Akid Hashem. Us from a Yidden, Klal Yisrael. That's commanded to make Kid Hashem. We're how do you command to make Kid Hashem? Because it says Vav the Eitz Hashem the Kach B'Chol Levav B'Chol Nafshka B'Chol Meidecha. 
If the frogs jump in the furnace, we should jump in a furnace. According to this, Tudus was a real Tamar Chacham. He was Chashuv, he was famous, not infamous. So that's one way to understand the question. Tudus gave a drush. Rabbi Yesi Barovin Omar, Rabbi Yesi Barovin says, that Tudus would, um, he made sure, Rashi explains, it literally means he put money into their, into their wallets, but it means he made sure to always give them parnasa. If there was a Talmud Chacham around, he made sure to help, help their business. Anybody who helps a Talmud Chacham be successful financially in business, will be zaychet to sit in Yeshiva Shomala, to sit with wisdom is to sit with money. Okay? Meaning a person who uses their money for Tyra in this world will be zaychet to sit with the Lime Day Tyra in Eilam Period. End of that discussion. Now we get on to the uh, the next Mishnah. Last line before it gets wide on Nun Gimel Amud Beis. And there's going to be a very, very interesting Mishnah. So the Mishnah is going to discuss a very interesting Minug. The Gemara is going to explain to us exactly what the goal of it is, but we'll, we'll speak it out now, as we like to do, to give ourselves a head start to get clarity. And that is as follows. Apparently there were places where they had a minhug to davka not have light in the home on Yom Kippur. The Gemara is going to explain, the Mishnah and Gemara are going to get into why, what type of light, what are we dealing with. But to give an overview quickly, we know on Shabbos, we light two Shabbos candles. Another benefit is Shalom Bayis. What's Shalom Bayis? If there's light, people get along, they can see each other, they're not tripping over each other. They're not. So in Yom Kippur, where intercourse is actually forbidden and relations are forbidden, so there was a... Um, a minug um, in some places to light a lamp and other places they had a minug to not light a lamp. Both for the same reason. How is that possible? So the, Gemara, the Mishnah and Gemara is going to explain this. It's very, very interesting stuff. Here we go. If you're in a city where people have a custom to light a candle on Yom Kippur, so you could have a candle lit. If the minute is no, so then the answer is no. But you're always allowed to have candles in shuls and batimedrish, and also for sure, if people are sick, and you, you know, and they need light for their health or for their uh, physical well-being. You're allowed to have candles lit for that reason as well. Let's get into the Gemara. It's a very interesting discussion. 
and towards the bottom of today's daf, going into the entire Amr of tomorrow, um, is going to be some very, very, very fascinating Agatha to Gemara. It's going to lead us on to some very interesting discussions. Tana, we learned in the Brisa, Bain Sha'amru Lahadlik, whether there was a minog to have a candle lit in the home. The both the minuk to have light and not have light was for the purpose of preventing couples from being together on Yom Kippur. Omar Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua says, Darash Rabbah, Rabbah gave a drosh of Amech Kulam Tzadikim Elam Yeshua Aretz. Klal Yisrael are all Tzadikim, will inherit the land forever. What does it mean? We'll inherit the land forever to inherit Olam Haba. Bein sh'amru lahadlik. Ubein sh'amru shalayd lahadlik. Shneem v'yneskavnu ela l'davar echad. The minuk to have light and the minuk to not have light are for the same reasons. Okay? Now what would be the reasons? We know that there's a halacha, a person should not be together with their wife. A couple should not have, direct, should not have intercourse directly in light. Directly under a light. So some places would dafka have light in the bedroom to prevent the husband and wife from being together. Other places at a minug, no light. This way, you don't even see each other. All right. So elu ve'elu. This way and that way. Either way, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're trying to create a setting that's going to prevent an Avera, which is fine. If you're in a place where one minute you follow that minute, the other minute you follow the other minute. Okay. Now, here we start with our fascinating discussion. I got it to Gemara, which is going to lead us on to Ahmed Bey's discussing fires, the origin of fire. Because we're talking about candles. So, on Matzi Shabbos, you make Abdullah. That's the only time where you say Baruch Atah Hashem Lakeinu Melech Elam Bayrei Miyarei Aish. On Matzi Shabbos, why in the world are we making a Bayrei Miyarei on Matzi Shabbos? Hayul Tchilas Briyasi, because fire was not made during the seven days of creation. Fire was made for the first time in the world on Saturday night on Matzi Shabbos. You had six days of creation, seventh day of creation, where Hashem created Shabbos, created rest, and then Matzi Shabbos, as Shabbos was leading, HaKadosh Baruch Hu made fire. You only make the bracha of fire at the time that fire was made. It was an elderly person, some say it was Rabbi Bachana. He says, Yashar, Ashikayach, V'chein Amar you're talking like the G'daylum. Be'echina said the same thing. Ula have rochiv chamor Ulu was riding on a donkey. Rabbi Shokov Ozo, Rabbi Abba Mimine. And Rabbi Abba was walking on his right side. The Rabbi Barbachana Mismoli. Rabbi Barbachana on his left side. So you have Ula up on the donkey. Rabbi Abba on one side. And Rabbi on the other side. Amalei Rabbi Abba Ula. Rabbi Abba, who was on the right side, said to Ula, who's up on the donkey, is it true this that Rabbi Yechanan said, you only let him make a bracha on Bari Mara'ish, on Matzi Shabbos, because that when fire, that's when fire was made. So, Ula got angry at Rabbi Barbarachan. Why? 
So Rashi explains because he's Ula felt that Rabbi Yechanan was not the source of this halacha. Hodar Ula Chazvei Brava Barachana Bishus Omar Lei Ano Lav Aho Amri Ella Ahay Amri. I wasn't trying to quote Rabbi Yechanan about that halacha. Yikes! Forget that being attributed to Rabbi Yechanan. Rather, it's because of a different uh, halacha of Rabbi Yechanan, the Tani Tana Kamed Rabbi Yechanan, there was a Tana that, um, that taught in front of Rabbi Yechanan the following. Rav Shimon Elazar Aymer. Rav Shimon Elazar says in the Brisa, Yom HaKippurim Shal Yez B'Shabbos. If you have Yom Kippur and Shabbos Tzazamen. Af B'Mokam Shamush Lahadlik, then even in a place where we usually say to not have a light on Yom Kippur, you still make sure there's light in the whole mouth, Kav Shabbos. Shabbos, you need Shalom Bayis. So even in places where usually they were Makbit to not have light so that the husband and wife couldn't see each other, if it's Shabbos Yom Kippur, Kav said, such a thing is not allowed. Omar Lay, Ad Omar Lay, so he said to him, Ada Tehei. This halacha, <coughs> you could talk as quote uh, Rabbi Yechonon about. Kari Alei Rabbi Yosef, and Rabbi Yosef said about this story, Mayim Amukim Eitzah Belev Ish, that Mayim Amukim, there's very deep waters, Eitzah, which is the advice of the heart of man. Deep water is the advice of the heart of man. The ish tavuna, top of tomorrow's daf. Yidlena. And a man of tavuna, a man of understanding, will be able to be dilate, will know how to draw it out and lift it out of the well. Mayim amukim eitzabalev ish. What does it mean when you have advice coming from the from uh, deep waters at Ula? It's referring to Ula, where... He heard right away when they were quoting Rabbi Yechiran in the original halacha about uh, fires on the Kippur that it was a mistake. And he gave him a, a uh, look. And as soon as he's got the look, he, he understood what to draw out from it. That is Rabbi Bar Barchana, meaning it takes, you have to be keen, you have to be smart, you have to have finesse and, and have the social smarts to understand when somebody gives you a look especially a Rebbe without him even saying anything you know how to back off and move on to the next constructive uh, halacha that your Rebbe will accept last couple steps and we'll hold it here the inu command sabrua and um, those that held that attack was the opinion of Rebbe who did they hold like he held or we make a bracha on Bari Maria Eish, Bein B'Mati Shabbos, Bein B'Mati Yom Kippur, and both B'Mati Shabbos and Yom Kippur, V'chein Amo Devar, and this taka is the minog. So you see Rabbi Yechiren saying straight out that it's, the, that it's not true that the only time you make a Bari Maria is on Matzi Shabbos because that's when it's made, because you also make a Ha'esh on Matzi Yom Kippur even if Yom Kippur falls out in a random weekday. You're still going to make a, a, a bari mareish afterwards. Hence, it's not possible that Rabbi Yechanan was that original opinion. And Be'ezus Hashem, we will pick up from Mesvei tomorrow 
evening. Have a wonderful, wonderful night.